0: Listening to Evolutionary Feminist. My name is Aurora and I am your host. We're here to evolve through conversation, and we're not always going to get it right, but we're learning and we're committed to understanding more perspectives, more voices, more people, more experiences. Because evolving is the key to success in life in the universe. We're here to listen to the voices of women and those who support them, because this world is longing for women to lead. This is an opportunity for us to gain knowledge and experience from each other and share new ideas to create the future we truly envision. I want to thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Evolutionary Feminist. I hope that you gain a new perspective on life and seek to uncondition your mind so that you can live as authentically as possible. Hi, Megan. Welcome. Hi, Aurora. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, I've got my guest, Megan Batia. She is the host of Amory Podcast on Instagram, Amory Podcast, as well as Spotify and our regular Mm -hmm. podcasting everything, all the platforms. (laughs) So I was wondering, Megan, if you could just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Ooh.
1: Okay, those are those are big questions. Who am I? <laughs> um, so I am currently living in New Zealand, uh, which is where my husband and my family and uh, my other partner happen to be when the quarantine happened. So we've got quite the life. We're a bit extreme. We sold our house about a year ago. and We've been traveling around the world ever since. Um, but basically, I'm somebody that's super curious about life. Um, I love traveling. I love learning about people. And I kind of love breaking some rules a little bit.
0: Yeah. And I just happened to find you uh, randomly on Instagram through a few little rabbit holes of hashtags. And I'm so grateful that I did because your podcast has really been inspiring for me. And uh, I really feel that the opportunities that you present for other people to see uh, this like modeled vulnerability is incredibly special. I'm really grateful. Thank you so much. Thank
1: you. Thank you. And I'm so thankful that we connected as well. So right back at you Um, to describe a little bit of the podcast. So the podcast is called Amory. And we started recording maybe eight months ago. And honestly, it was kind of on a whim. It was really at the point where I just felt like my life as I had known it had entirely turned inside out and flipped upside down and I was really having, not having a hard time coming to grips with it, it. but it was at the point where who I knew myself to be and who the world knew me to be were very different. And I could feel that chasm just widening and widening and widening. And really the catalyst of all of it, of a lot of the change was not only selling our house and traveling around the world, but it was the really accidental way that we, we shifted our relationship. So my husband and I shifted our relationship from a monogamous structure to a polyamorous structure. And I didn't even know the word polyamory maybe two years ago, three years ago. It just wasn't even in my realm of existence. So how, how much transformation that I've personally gone through and that we've gone through as a family uh, is just really incredible. And I'm really excited to share. And that's really where the podcast started because I was so excited to share everything that I was learning about myself and life and what was possible about love and relationships. It was it felt so counterintuitive to everything that we were taught growing up or everything that's really available in the mass media centered around relationships and love. So I thought either I was going entirely crazy, uh, which I did for a little bit, <laughs> or that maybe I was onto something about about learning love a different way or about loving a different way. So I'm so lucky that both of my partners, um, my husband of 15 plus years and my, so his name is Marty and my partner, Kyle of two years are just as adventurous and just as vulnerable and raw and beautiful human beings. And when I said, Hey, I want to share, I want to record something. Um, they were like, all right, great, let's do it. And that's how Amory started. And here we are 20 plus episodes later and I can't believe I'm so thankful for people listening to the show like you that give us great, positive feedback that are also on your own journey of uh, learning in every which way uh, that it I just it's an honor right now. So
0: that is amazing. I'm really so grateful for what you have offered, because I think that's there's something so tender about the conversations you have both with each other, you know, in in all directions, but also the conversation that you end up having with yourself. That was something that I was really drawn to actually about the podcast was how much self-awareness you exhibited in the episodes that I was like, wow, people really live like this. <laughs> I mean, it was, could you say oh, something you about know. it? I mean, yeah,
1: I, uh, that self, the self-awareness comes with work, a whole lot of work a whole lot of work. And uh, it's sometimes really incredible, joyful work. And then sometimes just this, like, just, just this gut wrenching, like, oh my God, okay, I can go through this. I can go through it again. Uh, But it always has rewards on the other side. So I would say that's actually why in in particular, the three of us. So my husband has another partner uh, that we are also connected with and she lives in South America. And we're not, unfortunately, we're not even on the same continent with her right now. It's really hard to be that far apart. So it's my husband and, and uh, Kyle that record the podcast. And I would say all of us are down for the work. We're just, we've really realized that this is our vehicle for learning. And relate, my, my quote now is, relationships are learning vehicles. So we can either blame the people around us or we can take a look and figure out what's actually happening in the relationship and let that be a reflection back and let that guide us in our learning and growth as human beings. And I feel like that goes really kind of, again, it's counterintuitive to a lot of different theories out there about relationships, but has really helped me in becoming more self aware in the last two years.
0: Yeah. And so could you say more about um, using our relationships as as vehicles, because I feel like there's something there that we just don't really get to explore normally, and especially in American culture, you know, because everything is so basically us just accepting and and living the way that tradition has handed to us. Yeah,
1: kind of like a script. So where there's lots of scripts in life, and the scripts help us to navigate life in a way that we can predict our interactions with other people. So I'm not. Playing the role of the script in life, but when you look at in our our kind of relational scripts, we've got one model, and that one model is pretty telltale you just kind of like go through the motions you fall in love that's one person you get married you commit to them for life maybe you have kids you don't have kids but then the success of relationship is based on how long you've been together not the quality of relationship and not what you've learned and that's the piece where i'm like Mm. oh people every relationship is successful if it could be a minute interaction it could be an hour it could be a day a month a year but there's always i think something to learn when we interact with people And some of those are big lessons. Some of those are little lessons. We may just get a a really quick piece of feedback from somebody and we're like, oh yeah, I hadn't seen it like that. Wow. Thank you. Or it's always the people we love the most that bring us the biggest lessons. But I think when we're open to it and we actually, instead of blaming the other person or getting into that, uh, what's called the Cartman drama triangle, where you have a persecutor, you have a savior and you have the victim, that's generally how we view relationships to be, which is... Uh, not a very empowering triangle, but when you flip it around, and I think the opposites of those are the survivor or the creator um, instead of the victim, and you have a, a challenger instead of the persecutor, and then you have the coach instead of the savior. Those, that's like a healthier way to interact. And as soon as we can interact with people in our life that way, relationships b- can become really great learning vehicles. And, and then there's also concepts that can teach us. So everybody always asks me about jealousy. That's the first question. Like, oh, it's not really a question. Most of the time, people are like, I could never open up my marriage. I could never consider this. I could never be polyamorous because I would be way too jealous. Or my husband or partner or wife, whatever, would be way too jealous. And I understand totally like jealousy exists. I will not. Say otherwise. Jealousy exists. But I think that we don't view it for the tool that it is. So, in the past, a couple of years ago, if I got jealous, I would externalize that. I would blame my partner. I would get upset. I would not look at what was happening internally. And the opportunity that jealousy brings us is I get to look internally and say, Whoa, what is that feeling? Oh, I'm feeling jealous. I'm feeling jealous of their interaction. Okay, why? Do I feel insecure about something? Oh, where's that insecurity coming from? And and the thing is, we live with these insecurities all the time every day, but we're just not conscious of them. But if we look at something like jealousy to give us the gift to really heal and look at our own insecurities and and work through those in a really healthy way, we actually can become, in my opinion, kind of more grounded, more whole, more present so that we can actually give more in our partnerships and we can give more to ourselves for that For that matter. So yeah. there's a whole bunch of concepts, you know, around learning. And it's not just with, you know, it's, it's in all relationships, whether or not to people or concepts.
0: Can you tell me more about the benefits that you found from doing these things, doing the work? Like what, how does that translate into your interactions in your life?
1: It's huge. I mean, the benefits are, it's hard to even know where to start. <laughs> So I, I feel like opening up my marriage, this is just for me personally, it really helps me heal my relationship with my husband. So mm-hmm. uh, Marty and I had a lot of trauma that we experienced. We we're, you know, together almost 20 years. There's a lot of experiences that happened in that time. <laughs> yeah. We had lost businesses. We had five rounds of IVF that or three rounds of IVF. We went through to, to get pregnant, to have kids. And there's just a lot of, a lot of stuff that kind of built up. And the way that I was relating to him um, was full of resent on my side, but I didn't realize it. I didn't know that I was driving a wedge between us because I wasn't willing to look at, or I wasn't willing to openly communicate. I didn't know how. I wasn't giving myself the space. I didn't trust myself. I was really working through a lot of my own wounds, but I was externalizing it. And I said, I would just blame him. Be like, oh, it's a lot we're here because of where, what he decided. And I wasn't taking any ownership of that. So in some ways, um, as I started to fall in love with Kyle and I start, I kind of saw that as a bubble that was like bubble love. (laughs) And it was so pure and so beautiful. And that bubble love is how I started out with my husband. It was beautiful. But I, I then in the comparison was able to see how dirty my marriage had become. Mm. And I had one of two choices. And I think what in our normal society, people would say, well, this one's shiny and new, and this one's dirty. So I'm going to throw away the dirty one and I'm just going to stick with the shiny and new. Mm. But that's where I think we go wrong with relationships because through the comparison, I was able to see and I took on, wow, I made this relationship really dirty and it's dirty here. And here's how I can clean it up. And this is my responsibility and this is the piece that I need to own. And and I did. And I did. And he did. And we did it over and over and over again. And as we had other relationships, we could see the the contrast of how we were treating someone else versus how we were treating each other. Mm. And again, I'm forever grateful that both of us kept on stepping back into it and saying, "Whoa, this isn't how come I can treat him this way and and not my husband or vice versa. My husband would treat his partner a certain way and not me. And he could come and see, wow, there's, some, there's something there we, we need to clean up. So we did all the work. We kept on bringing all that energy from other relationships, all the contrast, all the love and support that we had from those people, and we brought it back into our relationship, and we made this commitment again and again and again to keep cleaning up our relationship. So I now have probably the best relationship that I've had with my husband, uh, which is ironic. You know, it's so ironic to to say we did something that most people would consider you would lose a partner,
0: yeah. and I actually
1: gained. Back my partner. In fact, it gained him back in a way that is far better than I ever could have imagined.
0: That is so beautiful. We don't, we just don't have examples of that in our media life, like the greater scheme of things. You know, I think about the Disney movies that my daughter watches and how very straightforward, like, I mean, there aren't any lesbian couples, there aren't any gay couples, like, there's no, you know, differentiation, no diversity. Diverting from the mainstream, like monogamous hetero relationship. And it's so refreshing to hear real life stories like yours that are not only empowering, because I think you three are doing amazing work, but it's also such a reflection of the possibilities that, you know, where things can go. We just literally haven't even given them a try. No.
1: Yeah. I I have this theory when I look at relationships and I I know divorce happens. You know, my parents got divorced. My husband's parents got divorced. And I know that 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 is a real outcome for many people in relationships. But how i feel feel about that is that that just feels like chopping off a limb when it's like you know broken or something it just needs repair and we just decide oh that relationship is old and done and I'm getting rid of it it is in essence perhaps our consumptive ways uh, around life and how we consume it's the use it and throw it away use it and throw it away and use it and throw it away instead of this regenerative quality which i think we're going to need in all areas of life we're going to need it in our materials in our material goods and what we consume is our ability to be sustainable that way And I think it's possible in relationships. I don't think a relationship needs to be thrown away. I think relationships evolve. Relationships are ever changing. That's another thing too. It drives me crazy that we live in a world where people consider relationships static. Nothing's ever static. Mm. You know, it doesn't ever just stand still. Um, For better or for worse, it doesn't stand still. And I think when we try to hold on to something like, oh my God, this doesn't feel how I felt last year. It's maybe something's wrong, you know, what if we took the approach of wow, okay relationships are always changing. It doesn't feel like it felt last year, but maybe that's a good thing. You know, how can that be? How are we growing? How are we continuing to support each other? Where are we evolving to? And are we continuing to evolve together? Or if people find that they're not evolving together, they choose not to, that can be a more amicable separation. It doesn't have to be a, let's just cut off the limb and, you know, say goodbye. It can be a different process. So I feel like I have just totally different views on what relationships could be, because I, I feel like there's a lot of trauma that comes from relationships. And one of my goals in creating Amory and really shifting the conversation around relationships is that relationships don't have to be traumatic. And many kids, I think, unfortunately, grow up in homes where their example of love or their primary example of a loving relationship is actually really dysfunctional. And I don't blame, you know, I don't blame people. I don't blame, it's just, we are, I believe everybody's doing the best that they can, they can do. But I also believe that we have a lack of role models willing to share and be vulnerable and say, hey, look, peek behind the curtain. You want to know how to have this conversation? Yeah, we're going to have it. And it's not easy and it's kind of, it might be messy, but you can sit here for it and you can listen and you can see where we take it. It for better, you know, for better, for worse, for however that affects you.
0: That is so awesome. It's actually something I really enjoyed out of one of your most recent podcasts. I don't think it was the last one, but it was it was one of the last few. So somewhere between like 16, 17 um, it's just because I love you all so much. <laughs> um, but it, it was, you know, it was a time where you said you actually, you were like, actually we recorded this yesterday and kind of had to scratch it because, you know, I just like, I broke down and, you know, I mean, you really like, it, we didn't get to hear that scratched version, which is totally fine. But
1: oh, we put that on our membership site, oh, so people okay. that
0: are really vested, really vested in it, <laughs> it's available. Yes, great. Which is on We're Patreon. Public, so. we don't want to scare people up. <laughs> Yeah, but I do. I mean, I really appreciated that for the general public. Of that, like this was super, kind of intense and deep, and and just a lot of things for us, but. Also, here we are again, another day, taking another start, another stab at this conversation and just like willing to give it another go. Because I think that's something that we experience so often in in couples, you know, like relationships is that just because you have a conversation one time doesn't mean it's over. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of times we revisit conversations one way or another. And often when we come back to it fr- with, pr- you know, a fresh perspective, fresh eyes, that's when we can say like oh, yeah, I was really feeling a lot, you know, in that oh, moment. And now I'm feeling like I can talk about this in kind of like with different frames, you know, a different framework. That is
1: such a good point. Such a good point. Yeah, yeah I mean, sometimes we we're we're like big kids. I find that it's usually sleep. I need to sleep. I need to eat something. And I need to calm my body down. Mm. Otherwise, I can be in a crazy triggered state. And we've learned a lot about our different lessons of we're human beings. We're going to trigger. We, we have triggers in ourselves. And for people that don't understand the term trigger, I use that as in our body has a visceral response to a certain, a certain certain uh, situation. And usually that can come from the past. It's something that perhaps um, we haven't totally worked through or we haven't totally processed. So it's kind of like an open wound, but man, we get triggered and we get sent off kind of off <laughs> flying off the handle all in different ways. Uh, I find that sometimes I shut down, Marty gets very, he can express himself much better, which I always wish I could. So he expresses, I shut down and Kyle's kind of like somewhere, somewhere in between. And what we found is through our different interactions that we can be triggered. We can work through it. We don't hold it against each other. And then we come back when we're not so triggered and then we can try it again and do it again. But we actually see every one of those conversations as an ability to go, oh, wow, I have work to do here. Wow. I get triggered here. Woof. What's going on there? And then it's just like this arrow pointing us. Go here,
0: go here, work here. I would love to talk about that more. First is how do you hold space for each other when you are triggered? And how do you let each other know, hey, I, I'm in this kind of a space right now? Where do you learn how to where did you maybe even learn how to communicate that it's, those boundaries? That's
1: such a good question. And I, it's so timely because the episode that I'm just about to release now, Emory is, is creating a safe space that mm. was we talked for an hour about a safe space. And by no means are we experts, I'm gonna like make that real, real clear. <laughs> so even in in the episode, there's a point where I didn't feel safe, and I'm like, I have to recall that for myself. So, first off, is this idea that of safe space, it's creating the space in which we feel comfortable to acknowledge and express our feelings. That's how I'll term safe space. We can be that for ourselves, and especially if other people are triggered, we got to hold the safe space for ourselves. And that's something that I'm just learning at 40 years old now, where I was always reliant on other people. People holding the safe space for me that I wasn't doing that myself. Mm. Now it goes twofold. You know, we can hold safe space for ourselves and then we can hold safe space for someone else. And I find that for me to hold a safe space for other people, I actually have to be safe in myself, which means not triggered, not no bodily reaction happening, feeling neutral or positive um, in myself. And I can look at the person across from me and love them. And I can love them in however they're feeling. So if either one of my partners is feeling frustrated, then I can sit with frustration. You're like, yep, totally get that. And I'm not going to judge them for feeling how they feel. Now, as soon as I judge them for feeling how they feel, then I have no longer created a safe space. Hmm. And believe me, I flip, I can flip in and out of it. It can be a second like, okay, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm there. I'm holding a safe space. But then they say something that triggers me I'm like, oh, oh, I lost my safe space. <laughs> and then i need to come back and uh, and make it safe again so it is it is i think a very underrated skill and it's something that we don't necessarily practice a lot so we have we just have to practice we're not gonna be good at it right away
0: yeah definitely okay
1: the other part was about fear running
0: to the fears and the running. hero's journey oh I love this that oh, you talk about this oh my
1: god sometimes i just want to run away sometimes in my head like <laughs> run away run away. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That is my I think we all have our internal responses and mine is is flight or freeze. Like if I'm I can like hold it together, it's freeze. For me, it's generally not run tort. And uh and I know for Marty is he kind of runs he can run towards but he's actually more in the fight mode. I think the question is if we can get ourselves out of the that fight or flight or freeze response, then we can actually go towards the fear with a healthier relationship to fear. Mm. So I'm going to go back to relationships again. Fear is fear. Like there there is a thing called fear. It does exist. We do feel it. And the the part that we can work on is actually our relationship to it. Everything in my world is relationships. So I realized that I had a very unhealthy relationship to fear, which was, oh, again, just run away, move away from it, don't deal with it. But in my right mind, when I'm not triggered and I'm in a good space, I can see, oh, wow, I'm afraid of that. Oh, OK, that's something that I that's my next thing to to work on, to go toward and talk about Amory. That's how Amory started. I was so afraid to share with the world that I was living this alternate life that I was like oh my god I have to do this I I have to put it out there but I was, was so afraid I mean luckily it got a great great response and there's the conversations that we have now it's like oh god okay safe space are we gonna go there we're gonna talk about this one okay let's put it out there we generally take topics from our current life and sometimes those topics we're even afraid to talk about And that's how we as a group decide, oh, that's how we know we got to talk about that one. Because that one is the hard one to talk about.
0: Hmm. That's amazing. So I would like to know a little bit more about how you manage the judgment potentially that you've experienced outside. And how at this point you seem so soulfully evolved that you're able to hold space for each other as, you know, as couples that you can have these conversations. But how did you manage these conversations early on when the outside judgment was so present?
1: That's a great question. So for me, I took things really slow. First, I started to share just with a friend and then I would gauge response. And luckily, the first couple people people that I shared with were really supportive. And in fact, one of them specifically said to me, wow, this actually makes so much sense. Maybe I'm not so wrong for not being able to find just one partner because I found that I... I, you know, I'm currently dating two people and they're both incredible and I feel like I have to choose and maybe I don't have to choose. So that first response to me was like, oh my God, all right, maybe there's something here. I was lucky to have a couple of those under my belt before I started to share with people that weren't as receptive. To it and each one of those hit me differently. Most people, if I shared face to face, wouldn't really either they were just quiet and didn't know what to ask because I know it's quite interesting if you're not in the world of polyamory or if you've never known anyone that has opened up their relationship. I can be empathetic because I feel like it could be also very confrontational to say, Well, maybe I'm doing something wrong, or maybe this isn't right. Like, I didn't, mm. that wasn't my intention in sharing at all. But I remember sharing with a friend that was newly married, and it was really really hard. And I'm like, God, maybe I shouldn't share this because I don't want to tell her that I think marriage is wrong or monogamy doesn't work or it's not like, it's nothing about that. They're different relationship structures, but that was a hard one. Maybe, maybe not the best idea. And then I think family, sharing with family was the hardest and
0: that I'm still working through. Well, that's good (laughs) feedback. That's good to know.
1: (laughs) It's a work in progress. It's a work in progress. I think I... You know, I definitely am still communicating with my family, but there's a lack of questions or a lack of desire I see for them to want to understand my life, and that's how it is for the moment. So, it's, and you know, I choose can the-
0: you uh, do you uh, like what is it like for I don't know if you can speak to this, but for you know Marty's relationship with his family or Kyle's relationship with his family, is it similar? Do you all experience this kind of like a little bit of distance or
1: Yeah, we. <laughs> this is why our podcasts are. An (laughs) hour long because we talked about that on our coming out episode (laughs) it's a big topic it really is so we talk about what we faced and what we went through it's hard to speak for them but I for Marty it was a lot easier he already was somebody that just spoke his mind and said whatever he wanted to and that's how people knew him to be so when he started sharing especially with his family they were like oh yeah okay whatever like we already knew you were a little bit out there (laughs) and it was it was like nothing and I think Kyle's family it's been a little bit harder because I feel like. They are definitely more traditions or just the more traditional family structure. And his parents are even still together. So he, in my mind, is like, wow, how do you have parents that are still together and siblings and you guys all hang out? And they're really close. They're really, really close. So this has been a harder transition for him, especially he, as he spends more time with us. I've met his family, and they're they're incredible, and they I felt like they welcomed me in. And at the same time, I can also understand that this is it's a really different structure than they're used to. So there's still there's I allow time time for just processing and and people to get to know people, and we're all on our own paths here.
0: Totally. And one thing that I really loved about that coming out episode was that uh, you all talked about. Specifically, Kyle, about, or I think it was actually Marty in relationship to Kyle, was speaking to him saying, And like, look at you, you're living your best life. Like you have never looked better. You have never been like more put together in terms of like your mental state and like emotional health. So like, I mean, I just feel like that is such an amazing thing that absolutely deserves credit is that from my own personal experience, I think that like soul alignment really does create all of the other things. It just allows them to fall into place. As I have found for myself, the more I have lived in my truth, the more respect I have for my own body, you know? I didn't realize before that, you know, I, I could have said, oh, I don't take care of myself or there are things that I don't do. And I'm not saying that I am like, you know, some guru yogi professional everything. Certainly not. I'm like all of the coping mechanisms I'm still working on. But I do also feel like a real sense of peace with myself in that I have found that the more I've aligned with myself, just in in being honest, Mm -hmm. anything else aside, it's literally just me learning how to communicate what is very true to me and to say it as soon as I know it. And communicating that with people has been transformative. And it makes me love myself because my relationships really flourish from that kind of rich soil.
1: Oh, my God. And that's exactly why I look up to you and why we've had incredible conversations so far in that I feel like I'm still learning that. And this is part of my process, but I, I crave to be like that. I, and and what you said there really rang true for me is as, as soon as I know for myself. And sometimes, at least from my perspective, that's actually the hardest because oh, I, yeah. I feel like part of my coping cu- mechanisms were denial. And I would just deny anything and then I would deny it from myself. And then I wouldn't even know what was going on. I wouldn't feel connected to my own, my own emotions. So the work, I mean, for you to be able to be not only in your truth and know for yourself, but then also be able to express that and with other people directly is like,
0: I'll take I'll take your class. Uh, Thanks. Well, I I certainly I appreciate that. And I feel like you're putting me up on a little bit too tall of a pedestal right now. (laughs) Uh,
1: But but I can recognize the work I will recognize and always appreciate the work. And that's it.
0: Thank you. Yeah. And it is. And I feel like that has been it's something I used to say to myself when I was younger. I remember being probably about 16. Uh, saying, like, you know, I don't ever want to get old because, like, when you get old... And it wasn't, like, an actual physical age of oldness. It was, like, the mental age of oldness where you just are so certain that you know exactly how everything goes now you know everything and there's nothing left to learn and I just remember thinking at that time like people are not evolving they're not like changing with the times they're not learning about like the new ways that we can do things and Mm -hmm. it's funny because for quite a few years of my life I really lost sight of that. And I kind of grew into someone that was a little bit more like, oh, but you can't do that because life doesn't allow you to. Nothing like that can happen, you know?
1: That's the rule. Yeah, That's exactly. That's the rule, and it's for me, and it's for everyone. Yeah,
0: it's the rule, and it's unchangeable, you know? Like, the boundary is there, and nothing can be done to change it. And then I started to, you know, the past year especially, really started to look at, wow, what do I actually hold true for me? Not just what I believe to be true, but what is actually true for me? That's what started my journey of soul evolution and like really trying to process how I don't want to stay fixed because nothing in the universe ever stays fixed. Not one thing. Yeah. Everything will change its form in one way or another. And the more you resist the change, the more it hurts, the harder oh, it is. God. Yeah. yeah. What is
1: that cute little phrase? What you resist persists.
0: Oh, totally.
1: We just resist it. And I know Marty has this phrase that um, we will all there's pain, right? But when you resist the pain, that's the suffering, you know, if you resist what is, and what is, is always changing. So, oh, yeah, I, I feel like you're totally on to something there. And I feel like we're very much aligned in that desire to want to learn. And uh, and now being a parent, I, I feel like it's my kids that are that next level of, all right, you thought you
0: knew, you thought you knew this stuff, <laughs> now you get to change, Again, let's some more challenges. (laughs) Yeah, and not only that, but then trying to convey what it is to experience all these feelings and then to learn how to speak what is true in a way that is constructive. I mean, that is something that I am experiencing all the time with my children is I've really learned that I have to give them the words. I can't just say... You need to figure it out. You talk it out. I can't say that because, especially of their age, like three and a half and almost six, but I have to say, I have to give them words of like, you need to say what it is that, that made you feel. And then you can share then why you did the thing you did because of the way that that made you feel and acknowledge that that wasn't the way you could have done things. Instead, you could have, you know, and I'm trying to be general here, but, you know, it's just like we... Um, Have talked about previously, you and I, um, that teaching is the ultimate way of learning.
1: Oh my gosh, yeah. We teach what we're meant to learn. That's what I think. Sometimes it's just paying attention to what comes out of my mouth. And I'm like, oh, this is what I actually need to hear for myself. And what you just said, too, about teaching the kids and giving them words, we're constantly now as parents challenged to level up our, our own emotional intelligence, our own communication abilities. I mean, everything is based in relating. So when we don't understand ourselves and even the example that you just gave, I'm just incredibly impressed because I didn't grow up like that. I didn't learn my emotions. I didn't learn how to identify my emotions in the moment. There wasn't that space. There weren't the, those questions. And uh, yeah, the other day, my, my, my daughter has actually gotten pretty good at saying, Mom, I'm angry or I'm sad and angry. She can really identify her feelings And in some ways. Like, oh, parental yeah. mental win. <laughs> I didn't. I'm like 40. And I can just barely say I'm angry. I'm upset yes how am I feeling right now (laughs) so I feel like I'm learning from them
0: (laughs) yes oh I think it's so beautiful and it also really excites me to see because I know we're not the only ones I know there are lots of parents out there that are really being present with their children's feelings because that was something that uh, many of us just didn't have and not because our parents were not good. They certainly did their best and they were doing everything that they could with the tools that they had. But we have learned new things. We have learned that we have not, you know, culturally held space for big feelings. And so, you know, I think it's, So exciting to imagine this little generation of children that are being raised with this, you know, new new way of expressing themselves that is direct and honest and transparent, you know, that beautiful world. Oh, I'm so, so excited. And I know, you know, it's not going to come without its hang ups. And it's not going to come without its like realness, because that is, you know, the truth of all of nature, you know, sadly, little baby birds are the first to get eaten. You know, I mean, it's just nature is cruel, things happen. It's just the way it is. There's no way that we can prevent those things from happening that are, you know, children aren't going to experience the Mm -hmm. multitude of heartbreaks and emotions and, you know, anger resentment, whatever, but that we can support them to give them these tools is such an incredible opportunity for us, you know, and I feel that that's something that you really have done with your podcast is given me tools as an adult, you know, to see, oh my gosh, people, people are really doing this. They're having these conversations together and it's not immediately escalating to anger and resentment. Instead, you know, one person can say, oh, wow, I I see where you are coming from with that. And I'm going to sit with that for a moment. Just to have someone model that kind of behavior of I actually need to think about that instead of just like, well, you, you know, we're not interjecting with this big intensity. It's so beautiful. I'm so grateful for what you have to offer. Thank you. Thank you so much. Again, it's a work in
1: progress. And I'm really clear. It's really clear. And I get clearer every day that all of the subjects that we have recorded podcasts on are our personal lessons. They're literally what we are going through. And then we have to relearn them sometimes. So we just created this episode on safe space and then the day or two later, we did not create safe space for each other in reality. Oh, yeah. And it was, and then I was re-listening to it as I was sending it to, to the editor and I'm listening to my own words come out of my mouth going, "Duh, oh, I missed <laughs> an opportunity to create a safe space this morning. And, but it, that's, what's amazing. Yes. And I think the, the whole, God, I almost wish there was more AI. I have a vision. Okay. Follow me here. I'm going to get a little science fictiony, but I have this vision of AI of artificial intelligence and what that could do for us because i feel like all of the lessons that we are ready to learn we are talking about every day every day and if i had a computer that could find the patterns and then share them back with me and then get a print out or something not really a print out but like here's your work for the day here are the things that seem to be really causing you a lot of internal struggle this is your work And then that's our work for the day. And I'm lucky enough because Amory podcast now is my kind of sole focus and is my job, That that is really my work. So I'm allowing people to learn with me. And that is my, that is my gift is that I'm learning this stuff anyway. I might as well just open it up. And I'm lucky that Kyle and Marty feel the same way. And we've all backed off on the teaching models that are out there to say, here's how you do it in the prescriptive. I'm going to tell you how to do it because I know and you don't. I believe that model is done. I believe that there's a different model out there, which is much more vulnerable in its way, but it is this. It is allowing people to engage with us at a really real level and just come along for the ride. People got anything out of that. It's just, we're on this ride. You're invited for whatever is there to resonate with you. That's what I started to explore, which is we know things in our head, but we don't embody them. So that's actually the problem is that we valued so much the knowledge, like the mental knowledge and not the being of it, not the embodiment, not the practice. So is that kind of what you're trying to get? And so is like, we know it, but we're not being it.
0: Exactly. And so in that, like, actual process, because I've experienced this myself with my own radio show is, you know, is that like listening back of, oh, wow, I, I know things, but I don't always do them. <laughs> like, ooh, take some of your own advice, would you? <laughs> You know, I Mm -hmm. love, that's something that I really love about these opportunities. And this is just not something that we do culturally, like together, we don't ever record our conversations. Is that your question? Record it. Like (laughs) it's really good. No, I am recording. But I, you know, it is more just that, like the, the whole experience of it, that we don't do this with each other. You know, like what if when we were in a fight with our partner? You know, that we just hit voice memo and started recording ourselves so that we could listen to it some other time and be like, wow, I was like totally shut down and only acting from a defensive place, not listening at all to what they were saying. And now that I have a better headspace, I am actually able to listen to the things that they were saying.
1: What a great practice. What if we just did that where it's like, all right, we're getting to a fight, hit record. And I mean, that would take a lot of trust. They weren't just going to like share that with anybody and everybody. Yeah to listen back to ourselves and go, oh, whoa, there I am being defensive. Oh, whoa, that's when I got triggered on that statement. Um, I actually do that solo. So if I need to process some stuff, I'll usually record it and then listen back to it in a better headspace. So I can, yeah, it's just a tool so I can better understand what's happening. Totally. And that practice of knowing something in our head and then being able to embody it is very different. Yeah,
0: and I think that's, you know, oftentimes what journaling can provide people is that ability to say the things and then you can go back and look and be like, wow. That was like a really big feeling. But there's something really special to actually like having a recording of Mm -hmm. a moment or an exchange, you know, and not for the like, see, I knew you were going to say it in this way, blah, blah, you know, it's not for that, but more in the like, as a tool of self reflection, because you know, what are the benefits of self-reflection? Like it spills out into our lives. You know, I feel like it just, it, it permeates into all of our relationships where then everything becomes more authentic. You know, we don't show up to, to say hello to someone in a way that is inauthentic to ourselves. We're not just like keeping up appearances anymore because we're actually doing the work to like be present with whatever it is that we're feeling. And And that is like, I think such a gift that we have something I really love about what you do and something that I desire for the rest of humanity for all of us to get on board with ourselves, you know, and really be on that like, oh, okay, like I'm going to go out to the grocery store and I know I'm going to run into a bunch of people. But you know what? I'm not going to just tell them like, yeah, I'm fine. Everything's great. Oh, yeah, totally. You know, like, I mean, how many times do we do that? And sure, sometimes sometimes we just need that protection. We just need to just like get through the day. Right. And I'm not judging anyone for that. I'm just saying that, like, what if we also gave ourselves the opportunity to just like show up authentically and to say, you know what, not really having a great day and I don't want to talk about it. But thank you for asking. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, what does that do then for like other people to be like, you can say that? I didn't know you could. I didn't. That's off script. Yeah, totally. Like, I didn't know we, we were allowed to do that, but okay, cool. Now I know next time that, it, you know, I can let someone know that I'm grateful they asked, you know, thanks for checking in on me, but like, I don't really want to talk about it today, but I do appreciate it. If we could just come from that like real authenticity of like, oh, thanks for seeing me. And also, yeah. like, I'm just not available today. I just think yeah. that's such a thing that we could really do. F- and, and what if all of us were doing that? My imagination and like the way that the world would be we, and how we all communicate. We have the just... same imaginary world
1: yeah. of what the world could be.
0: It's, exactly. it's
1: the same. We're very close. I love this is it. what we're talking right now. Yeah, yeah it's, it's possible. I really do think it's possible. And I think that it takes each one of us to do those little things every day. Because to create something as normal, we need to normalize it. And to normalize it, people need to be exposed to it. And for people to be exposed to it, we got to actually do the thing. Like, we got to actually have the conversation. We got to show up for ourselves. And it's just little by little by little. I think that that's how societies are changed.
0: I love this so much. I have one last question for you before I... Tie this up, and I would like to know what your encouragement would be for anyone who's wishing to explore polyamory in their life. Mm,
1: Great question. Yeah, such great questions.
0: Wish this could go on forever. I know, me too. Uh, Yeah.
1: So, if people are considering polyamory uh, or just opening up their relationship in general, because polyamory is one one way or one structure uh, of doing that, there are different ways. Polyamory specifically is, I think, based around the relationships and the importance of the relationships, um, emotional relationships, just as as well as physical. And for that to be possible, there has to be, I think, a shared value of valuing someone's inner kind of inner world and valuing your own and being ready for the ride, ready for the ride of growth. And I would say for anybody thinking about it to take it slow. It's consensual non-monogamy, which is that consent is huge. And that comes for every step, uh, starting with the beginning of the conversation. Hey, are you open to this type of cardation is a, a really great way to at least start it and to give your partner a chance to say no. The answer doesn't always have to be yes. Like, no, I'm not ready yet. You know, maybe we can talk about that later. Or, you know, there's all of these steps that are involved in the shifting of the paradigm from monogamy to polyamory. And I would just say, just give yourself space and take it slowly and look for resources and guides. And uh, there's plenty of books out there. And yeah, just just take it slow and, and give yourself space and time to go by.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Megan. I can't wait to have you on the show again because I absolutely am going to. It is so much fun talking to you. And I just, I I really love how on two separate continents at this time, you know, I had no idea who you were, what you were doing, and just listening to your voice on the podcast and like hearing your thoughts. I was like, "Wow, I love this woman. She, she gets it. Like she, I feel like she and I have so much in common and so much uh, just the same thoughts that I never expressed to anyone. And here you are saying them out loud. You know, it was just, it was magic for me. And so I am so grateful." That, uh, you know, the the universe has just like reflected this back to me of like, these things are real. This is absolutely attainable just because the outside world society history tradition has said that, You know, we aren't allowed to do these things or these things can't be done because of, you know, the structures in place that actually, wow, we can create whatever world we actually want. We are not limited to the default settings. And that's something I so love about Your podcast, I just can't, I mean, I can't promote it enough. I have learned so much about relationships and so much about myself. I really appreciate, you know, you reiterating that like the podcasts are your lessons that you all are going through and it's not, you know, specifically anything that anyone else, you know, is, it's not a, a prescription for someone to take, but it's through that modeling that we really have all these opportunities to see how it's possible to communicate together about hard things big things difficult things and I can't wait to hear about holding space that sounds like such a an appropriate next step oh so beautiful
1: I have to do a round two of that one too (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, it's been a pleasure. I love this and I feel so connected to you and so honored and really thrilled just for this conversation because I, I'm i learning again everything that just came out of my mouth. It's just another opportunity to go, oh, yeah, that's what I believe. Oh, yeah, that's where, that's where I'm coming from. And these types of conversations re-motivate me like you can't believe. It's beautiful. It's a gift.
0: Thank you so much, Megan. I'm so happy you were able to join me. Thank
1: you.